Did you know that most toilets flush in the tone of E-flat? We've got crazy random facts and more coming up. We got lots of info. Let's rock and roll. It's Did You Know With Ryan O. Hello and welcome to Did You Know With Ryan O. In case you didn't know, I'm Ryan O and this is my show. And I know exactly what you're thinking. A Symphony of Toilets is a great name for a rock band. In today's episode, we're going to have lots of fun and you might even learn something. So without further ado, let's do this. You know, here at Did You Know with Ryan O, we talk about all sorts of crazy stuff and randomness, but I usually don't do it alone. So today, we'll be graced with a special guest. I've known this guest for over 10 years now. We went to college together in the middle of nowhere in the center of Michigan. He's a master of fixing instruments and getting my butt out of trouble. He's a connoisseur of aviators and most things Star Wars related. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, the fuzziest of man peaches, John Doggett. How's it going, man? Hey, doing great. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing all right. I just had a little bit of pizza, and um, now I'm, I'm all fueled up and ready for fun and excitement. Awesome. I had my taco fuel complete with some cervezas, which always help. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's have some fun. So before we get into the, the fun stuff, I'm curious. Tacos. Um, what's your favorite meat inside of the taco? Uh, we usually go with the beef, with well-seasoned beef. Well-seasoned beef. <laughs> nice. I uh, recently had some tacos um, at a brewery, and... The carnitas were fantabulous. That sounds awesome. If I uh, had money for steak, then I would probably put that in my taco. But, you know, musicians, we we make some money, but beef is good, too. Fair, because <laughs> uh, a taco in most ways, shapes, or forms is going to be awesome and delicious. Right on, man. So yeah, I, you can't go wrong with good. Uh, can't go wrong with a good taco, chicken, beef, steak, Taco Bell, all of them at the same time. <laughs> that would be awesome, especially if you have a little Corona on the side just to mix things up, or some Baja Blast. There you go. Which, by yeah, the way, this... Baja Blast is back. Um, if you haven't noticed, I uh, actually haven't picked up some, but I have seen. Uh, I have seen a few Rhino Instagram posts. Uh, Featuring Baja Blast. They they make me very happy. For for those of you who are listening, um, uh, as I said earlier, uh, John and I went to college, and he used to have uh, an absurd collection of bottles in his <laughs> dorm room or in his apartment. Um, yeah, I think. Wh- uh, what were they in your was, dorm room? Uh, they were all well in the apartment too. We just kept the trend going, so. The greatest of 90s, early 2000s beverages known as Sobe of uh, a variety of flavors. And I think in our in our freshman dorm room, we had at least 100. We had a shelf full. Then we put wood on top of that and made another shelf full. And uh, then somebody knocked it down and we were very sad. Weren't the Sobe bottles made out of glass? Yes, they were. So I don't know how we did back down the shelf in the first place with filling it up the first time. <laughs> but <laughs> college college dorms are meant to stand up to stupidity, so we hope at least. <laughs> that's that's nuts. It's st- standing up to our stupidity, that's for sure. I remember uh, after the Sobe craze, we got into the, the live wire, the, the orange flavor of Mountain Dew. Yeah, I still I can still find that at a gas station every once in a while. It's a little it's a little rare, but 
Then I have to check the date and make sure it's not actually from 2010 still. I, I may have come across that once. <laughs> will, will aging the Mountain Dew make it taste better, or is that just vodka? That would just be vodka. <laughs> so with, with all the, the craziness of Mountain Dew, let's see if we can uh, segue ourselves into our first segment of the episode, and um, that is the Ryan O. and the Mailbox of Doom where we go into our mailbox and check out what's happening and any questions, comments, or concerns everyone has from the previous episodes, um, whether that's on Twitter, at DidYouKnowRyanO, or um, on email, at DidYouKnowRyanO at gmail.com. So let's see what's up. And checking the email bag, there is absolutely nothing except for verifying my email address through Microsoft. At least Microsoft loves you. At least Microsoft loves me, and, and so does so does John, hopefully. Um, I got a really awkward question for you. How many times have you guys seen The Last Jedi since it came out on DVD? Ooh, together, together we've actually only watched it once, but I may have watched it a couple more times after that. And May the 4th is coming up, so there may or may not be some viewings tomorrow. Now, would that be your, your go-to movie to see? Oh, even better question. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, I had a feeling that question was coming. That's just really hard. Um, I know my wife's favorite so far is The Force Awakens, and I do enjoy that one. I think my, if I had to go back, my all-time favorite would be Return of the Jedi, though. Return of the Jedi. That's a good it's one. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> Or, um, as uh, Admiral Akbar used to say, when he was going into some of the restaurants in order to you know, purchase a little sandwich with some tortillas, it's a wrap! Thank you, our former drum major, Dave Bichard. I, I we'll tried. Shout out to him there. Dude was fantastic. Uh, he had a great beard. He, he's what kind of gives you beard envy. Um what was it our former section leader that wanted to get you into growing a beard? <laughs> was that uh, our former section leader? Would that be Steve or Ashley? Because they both were kind of into beards. Ashley didn't wear one too well, though. No, I think it was uh, Steve who had the beard. His beard was amazing. I think Steve Ford is one of the reasons why I got into my, my own beardiness. And then seeing Hank's beard made it even uh, more aggressively threatening but charming at the same time. <laughs> there you go. I can finally almost grow a goatee now, so I'm like baby steps. I- I've seen pictures. It's it's adorable and charming at but the same time. I have to stay fuzzy somehow, otherwise what kind of man peach would I be? Uh, that's true. You need to be at least semi-fuzzy of a man peach. Otherwise, it's not necessarily a peach, more like a, a man cherry. And I think that might be an episode for a different time. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so that's an awkward segment into our next part of this episode, known as the Word of the Week, where we talk about the origins of words. So I'm going to ask you where you think this word came from, like um, like what part of the world and possibly when. Just throw it out there, whatever you think. Um, the Word of the Week is Hub, H-U-B. Hub. That sounds like English <laughs> from the England, but it also uh, 
probably uh, that's a very good question. You're right, though. It does come. It is an English term. I'm coming from uh, the Latin root of hube, which means lump, round, protuberance, or boss. Yes, I had to read this because who can say protuberance just by not looking at it? I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so it it also refers to the solid center of a wheel. came about like the 1960s. Um, and also in the 1800s, it was used for the center of interest or activity or importance. So that is uh, where hub comes from, kind of like hubcap, like the, the center of things. Hubcap, like those things that used to fall off my car all the time. Especially if you hit a curb. Uh, yeah, that or a giant puddle, and it may have just kept it. <laughs> but ask me how I know that. <laughs> so how do you know that hubcaps can disappear from a car? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I did a in my college summer days. I may have been a delivery driver for Jimmy John's, and it was raining one day. And apparently, you were going freaky big... fast. I was going moderately freaky fast because it was like thunderstorming so probably too freaky fast for most people but uh i uh, drove into a puddle and i made it out the, the hubcap apparently decided to stay and go for a little swim and i did not find that out until i made it back to the store <laughs> did you eventually find your hubcap uh no i did not i found the hub of the hubcap was still attached to my wheel but the rest of the hubcap was not nice and that's the adventures of uh, John's Ion Cannon in the, the middle of nowhere, Michigan. I'll have to send you the uh, the Photoshop I made up of. I took a picture of my car, and I may or may not have Photoshopped an actual Star Wars Ion Cannon to the top of it. Nice. Yeah, you used to drive, what is it, a Saturn Ion? I did. It was made of plastic. <laughs> Which was different than um, my car back in college, which was a... Uh, a Chevy Corsica, and that was made out of pretty much iron because it was made in the early 90s. And it could go through anything. And some days it did. <laughs> Especially Those the snow. And, and speaking of snow, there are some places that don't have snow, and uh, we're going to find out more about those weird places in our crazy segment called I Can't Believe That's a Law. But we're going to talk about weird and outrageous state laws. So um, did you know that in Alabama, uh, the state constitution makes it illegal for any idiots or insane people to vote? I did not know that. That basically means that you and I are not allowed to vote in Alabama. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> Me too, because it's it's Alabama. I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the best things that they that have come out of Alabama. Uh, there was Sweet Home Alabama. Um, there was Heart of Dixie. I think that was a good show that came out of Alabama. Was it even filmed in Alabama? Uh, chances are probably not, because everything that says it's in the South actually is filmed in South Carolina. True story. And just south of South Carolina is where I'm currently at, the, the sunshine state of Florida. So I'm going to tell you a um, – this is called Only in Florida. I'm going to tell you just the um, title of this post, and you're going to tell me if you think this really happened or didn't happen. Um, so it, it says, um, a possum hits rock bottom – breaks into liquor store to drink alone. 
Yay or nay? I would have to say yay. It's true. Apparently a female possum broke into her closed liquor store and helped herself to some whiskey. Passed out and was later discovered by an employee sitting next to an empty bottle the next morning. Yeah, she was brought to the Emerald Coast Wild Refugee, Wildlife Refugee, where she was flushed with fluids and then sent to Delray Beach for rehab. And that was our lovely segment of Only in Florida, where stupid stories that could only take place in the swamp of chaos known as Florida. Uh, um, so there's been a bunch of posts and, uh, and quizzes online nowadays, thanks to Buzzfeed and all sorts of other websites to try to figure out who your personality is like or what you're interested in. Um, so I've actually found a really cool one that I think you and I should do on the air called which star Wars character are you? Ooh, sounds intriguing. Let's do this. Um, if I click on our magical link here, um, which Star Wars character are you? Brought to you by PlayBuzz.com. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, give you some multiple choice, and you tell me your answer. So, question number one, which weapon would you prefer? Crossbow, lightsaber, a blaster, or the Force? Lightsaber. He says lightsaber. Moving on. How do you prefer to handle confrontations? Is it head-on combat, prefer to stay away, but you can defend yourself, or aggressive negotiations? I was hoping aggressive negotiations. Which, of course, is negotiating with the lightsaber. Because how else would you do that? Exactly. It's Star Wars. It's all pew, 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 pew. Question number three. What would be your favorite planet? We've got Tatooine. So for those of you who aren't Star Wars fans, that's the desert planet. We got Coruscant, which is basically a city planet. Endor, which is a bunch of trees and Ewoks, or Naboo, which has a whole bunch of lakes and fanciness. I'm gonna go with I like Endor actually. The and moon, Ewoks are fun. The moon of Endor with all the adorable Ewoks. Nub nub. Let's see. Question number four. How do you feel about your life? Wow, this is existential. Um, That's getting deep. It is. And they want to know, is it all about you? Do you try to be the best, try to help others, or try to learn more about the Force? I, I would say I try to help others. Try to help others, he says. All right. What is most important to you? Another existentialist question. Love. The Force, weapons, or friends? I really like saying the Force in these answers, but I'm going to go with friends. Friends indeed. Going on to our next one. Your favorite line in Star Wars is, bear with me, no! Or is it, or, your lack of faith is disturbing. Or, what do you think? A princess and a guy like me? Or fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Or there's no such thing as luck. <laughs> the Wookiee Grawl for the win. Love it. Uh, question number seven. What makes you feel happy? Food, the truth, love, training in the force, or money? Well, I just had tacos, so food made me pretty happy. So we're going to go with food. <laughs> nice. Food for the win. 
Let's see, which command center would you prefer? So assuming you're the general of an army, um, is it anywhere that has cookies, a bunker, a Death Star, or a good old battle cruiser? I'm going to go with battle cruiser. Battle, battle cruiser is fun to say. Totally. What would you name your battle cruiser? I would name it... Well... I would name it something. <laughs> I would name mine burritos because then the burritos would be all over the place if it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> Not the burritos. Save the burritos. Save the burritos. What That's is your favorite name. color? We got a red, green, brown, blue, or yellow. I would go with red because I always pick red. <laughs> nice. And then our final question in this one. What is your favorite hobby? Is it Working out, eating, hunting or fishing, spending time with friends, or meditating? Uh, we're going to stick with the friends. Well, I like hanging out with all y'all. Right on. Let's see if we can get Ross and Rachel to hang out there as we're <laughs> waiting. All right. Are you ready for your answer? Ooh, here we go. And you are Luke Skywalker. <laughs> It, it says oh, you care deeply about your friends and the truth. You seek knowledge and are very talented. And I also just want to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Well, don't we all? Tashi Station seems amazing. It must be really cool. It was too cool to even show us in the movie. I was always bummed about that. I wanted to physically see him go to Tashi and like not even get the power converters. Just go up to there and they're like, hey, we're out. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Just be like, yeah, we're all out. And, and then, then the guy shows up there, and he's like, you know, I don't like you. He's like, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, my friend doesn't like you either, and he starts a fight. That, see, that we're making Star Wars better by the minute. I look forward to seeing our director's cut. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so so when, uh, when Rachel and I took this quiz, um, it, it told her that she was Chewbacca. Ooh. Mostly because she loves food. Well, I mean, food is great. So. And it told me that I'm more like Padme. I mean, I knew you were always pretty. Well, thank you. You're 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 pretty pretty yourself. <laughs> what were your What were your traits for Padme? Um, something about loyal, loving, but willing to. I don't know. Uh, Shoot things? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Oh, I and love then she it. just pulls out a blaster from behind her back, and then, well, that whole series would have gone a little bit differently. And see, we wouldn't have to worry about the dark side of the Force because she would have taken care of it right then and there. Boom. That's how you fix things. You, you chop people's <laughs> hands off immediately, and you fix things. And then Obi-Wan and Padme would have, you know, just run off. That would have been kind of awkward, but it might have worked. Yeah, because then he wouldn't have had to leave his or live his hermit life, and he could have lots of fun and excitement, and he, he probably would just be calm and, you know, hang out and watch the sunsets. Or is it suns set? Suns sets. It's hard because there's two of them. It is. Mm-hmm. So re- remember in the um, in the cantina scene 
where they did have like a little freak out and they had a little fight and and the guy lost his hand. Yeah, yeah, man. I think there wasn't enough blood in that scene. Do you think there could have been more? I think there could have, but it probably would have caused a situation, which does lead us into our next uh, segment called the Did You Know Fact of the Week. Um, So you know some people who are possibly squeamish, who faint at the sight of blood or in situations that may lead to blood? Okay. Can you guess why that's caused? Uh, Because blood is gross. Blood is gross. That's coming from the the musician uh, of Johnny Doggett. Who may or may not have made fingers bleed with razor blades. On accident, of course, because making things is hard. (laughs) So you accidentally cut yourself making what? An instrument? Uh, Instruments, uh, reeds, which you use to play certain instruments, and uh, just general uh, clumsiness. That sounds terrifying. It's all fun. And you didn't collapse or anything after seeing your own blood? No, I was kind of like, well, that kind of sucks. Well, if you did, it would have been because of a sudden drop in blood pressure. It's it's your body telling you that because it sees blood, it wants to keep you from possibly bleeding because it thinks that you're the one that's bleeding. So it drops your blood pressure to keep it from bleeding out completely. But thank you, body, for keeping us for keeping us from bleeding everywhere somewhat. I think it's awesome, and it's like it's our way of making sure that everything's a okay. But there are some people who other people's blood activates that, you know, Darwinism. I guess we'll see them <laughs> later on the side of the road. Yeah, you know, some people just uh just can't quite hold it together. It's like. Their body works a little bit too well. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This episode has been brought to you by Everyday Cosplay Finds. Ever wanted to show off your favorite character or group of characters, but don't see things online that match your style? Then check out Everyday Cosplay Finds, bringing cosplay into your everyday. Go to etsy.com slash shop slash everyday cosplay finds for more information. And now back to our show. Did you know with Rhino? So you were saying that... uh... You were making reeds. Um, how long have you been? Um, how long have you been fixing instruments and making reeds? I've been making reeds uh, because I'm an oboe player, which is uh, typically an orchestral instrument. You played in band or orchestra, uh, and I've been making reeds since college. So back in good old 2007. So, oh man, that means it's been 11 years. (laughs) Were you uh, forced to make them, or was it kind of like a, hey, I'd like to know how to do this? Uh, It's part of being an oboe student. Because reeds are, if you buy an oboe reed from somebody else who made it, then it's really expensive. So, as college kids, we get to learn how to make our reeds because, A, we're college kids with no money, and B... If we learn how to make them well enough, then you can sell them to other people and make lots of money. Nice. Well, not lots of money, but... <laughs> Some money, like enough to buy a, a case of live wire if you wanted to. Exactly. Or a pizza. Or Ooh. both. Ooh, that sounds like a good night. 
And the, was the oboe your first instrument that you played? Oboe was first instrument. Uh, I started in fifth grade with seven other oboe players. And uh, Survival of the Fittest, I was the only one to make it through the senior year because I took private lessons because I tried. And how many people in a band normally play the oboe? Because that seems absurd. Yeah, our band directors were not so happy with the people that tested all the kids for instruments, and those people did not test for instruments the next year. You need about two oboes for a band, and we had too many. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently. I remember one of my favorite songs that had the oboe in it, and this is going to sound weird, is uh, is in the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, the, the old <laughs> Clay cartoon. Yes, Cause I the, love that movie. The oboe has a way of turning a fun situation and either accentuating it in one direction or the exact opposite. Because you could go like, da -da 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 -da, or wah, 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 wah. And then you're on the island of misfit toys and you don't know what to do. Well, sometimes you just want to be a squirt gun that only squirts jelly. Or trade with square wheels. Oh, that caboose doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> so Those. walk me through your uh, your years of playing instruments. Um, You started with the oboe, then what'd you do? So I played oboe uh, through middle school, and in seventh grade, I picked up the saxophone, particularly the tenor saxophone, which I would later find out was the instrument of the gods. Thank you, CMU. And... Uh, Played that in jazz band, and then when I got to high school, I kept playing oboe some more, and played my saxophone in marching band and jazz band, and I learned that marching band is really fun, so then when I got to college, and I majored in music education, but you need an instrument to play, so I played oboe, and then I used my tenor saxophone and played in the Chippewa marching band, and that's how I met Ryan O. That is how you met me, so if it wasn't for the oboe... We never would have met. This is true. So, Music has a way of bringing people together. So I can't hate the oboe. You can't hate the oboe. You know well, what? I mean, you can, but just don't tell me. Okay. Well, then, for this podcast's sake and for our friendship, I enjoy oboes are you many times. Enjoying, you are enjoying the oboe. Insert me putting my thumb up in front of me. Yes, I am currently enjoying the thought of an oboe with also thumbs up in this direction. Uh, so, and that's why we're friends. Exactly. Is is the oboe easy to fix or is it is it difficult to do so? Uh, it is not easy to fix because there are lots of little itty bitty tiny screws that like to move around and you have to have a very certain way of adjusting those screws and putting them in the right order. And moving this key that way and this key that way, but since you move this key, then these three other keys also moved. And it's just kind of a big hot mess. But when you get it all right, it sounds pretty good. I'm already lost just thinking about which key you started with, and I don't even know where that is. Yeah, some days are kind of like that. Some days you can't even find your car keys. I mean, I can't believe trying to misplace a key on an instrument. But is that what you always wanted to do, Was what you're currently doing as in fixing instruments i originally wanted to be a band director 
as I went to school for music education originally at Central Michigan. And then I did my student teaching, and it was it was an experience. I'll put it at that. Did you do and middle school or high school or what? I did both. Oh. I was with uh, in a small school that the band director did both high school and middle school band. And actually some elementary band, too. We had fifth graders as well. And so we, were they so we, kind uh, of crazy, or was what? What about it made it so difficult? Well, combination of kids. Well, I mean, school kids are school kids. <laughs> My wife's a teacher, and I get to hear all kinds of fun stories now from her. And uh, just a combination of the kids being a small school, the middle of nowhere, and the director, my host teacher, she was a little bit high strung and didn't always see quite eye to eye on what ideas may or may not work. And uh, just kind of was a, it was a learning experience. And uh, I learned a lot from that. And then uh, proceeded to go into the lovely education job market and looking for jobs and as most people probably know school band there's only like one band director per school as opposed to if you have a school and you have like five math teachers five english teachers for all those kids so music jobs are not always the easiest to come across and i was looking for a long time and wasn't quite had some sub jobs but wasn't quite successful in landing a band directing job so then I looked back at college and remembered my oboe teacher actually saying, hey, I think you'd be good at repair because I like taking things apart. I also greatly enjoy playing with Legos and building and creating with that. So I think all of those years of playing with Lego and tearing stuff up and putting it back together again kind of led me towards that whole repair thing being a good idea. So if you like... If you like Legos and you're decent at wood, at whittling oboe reeds together, instrumentation repair might be the job for you? It could be. Or join the Scouts, learn how to whittle on a stick with a knife. That's helpful too. Or if you're a plumber, you can uh, you can fix brass instruments, which is actually what I do now. Is uh, I am a fancy plumber. You're a fancy plumber for brass instruments? Does that mean you have your own special plunger? Uh, I do, actually. You can put it on the end of a trumpet, and then you make those fun wah-wah sounds. Nice. Uh, do you also have like a little snake so you can go through all the pipes and drains of it? I do. I have brushes and snakes, and I have a big fancy machine that uh, it's called an ultrasonic cleaner, which if you've gone to a jewelry store or something and need a jewelry clean, they will put it in this little, little container, and it goes zzzz and cleans your cleans your things and makes them shiny. So I have a 39-gallon version, one of those, in our shop and can fit almost a whole tuba in that to clean it out. Nice. That sounds like a fun time. Is it easy to... Or You're saying that the brass instruments are easier for you to do? It's just... Uh, it's not necessarily an easier or harder thing. It's just kind of what I gravitated to, which is weird because I play a woodwind instrument. And I thought I would fix woodwind instruments. But uh, in our shop, my coworker plays the French horn, and she fixes the woodwinds. And then I play woodwinds and fix the brass. 
So we play each other's uh, repairs when we're done, and it works out pretty nice. That seems a bit backwards. That's like someone who reads nothing but Marvel comics writing a Batman comic, and someone who reads nothing but DC comics writing about Spider-Man. And then they become friends, and then they read each other's comics, and they make it really awesome. Because life is great between music, comics, and pizza. Yes. Pizza brings everything together. They say music brings people together, but really it's pizza. So when you were learning how to put all these instruments and what together, um, did you learn what your favorite one to fix is? Uh, I actually really enjoy working on French horns. I, I couldn't really tell you why, but in uh, repair school, which I actually went away for school, uh, second college, like second breakfast, uh, I was in Minnesota, in Red Wing, Minnesota. So if you've ever bought a Red Wing boot um, or a Red Wing shoe, that's where it's made. And they have a giant boot that's three stories tall. Nice. That was really cool. And you can take pictures with it. And it's made of real leather. But uh, uh, French horn just ended up being something I worked a lot while I was in school there. And apparently I've turned out to be pretty good at it. So my French horn playing co-worker says as I work on her horn uh, to keep it going in tip-top shape. Doesn't the French horn have some of the like most number of valves and tubes and stuff in it? Yeah, a fun fact about horn, it is actually the longest instrument in the brass family. So you think, oh, it's got to be tuba. It's huge. Tubas are big, play low notes. But actually, a horn has about one and a half times as much tubing as a tuba. Yikes. Yeah, it makes for makes for lots of scrubbing and cleaning, but it's rewarding in the end because... Horn sounds really cool. If you listen to any music from a movie or, well, especially movie soundtracks, you always know when the horn comes in because it's that really awesome triumphant part, and you're like, that sounds pretty cool. So when you were uh, getting into music and um, and wanting to be a, a band director and whatnot, you must have listened to a lots of different styles of, of music. So would you say you have your own favorite composer? My favorite composer, ooh, I do, I like band music, but I also really like orchestra music, um, and I played in a international orchestra group, and we had a few songs that we played, and we got to travel to Europe for a month and play on there, so after that experience, we played, uh, well, in that experience, we played Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony, so I really like Tchaikovsky symphonies. Nice. I don't think I've heard, I don't think I know that one off the top of my head, but I'll have to check it out and brush up on my Tchaikovsky. I know Chekhov, you know, because he helped um, direct the the captain into where the nuclear vessels were. But I don't know about exactly. Tchaikovsky. Uh, it's just minor minor relation there. They're they're both Russian sounding. And and. Uh, so for for movies, um, no, knowing where the French horn comes in, what would you say your favorite score is in a movie? Ooh, well, I always have a soft spot for Star Wars, of course. Lord of the Rings is also a very good choice. Um, also, 
on a totally different note, um, with a completely different style of soundtrack from either of those, The Incredibles has an incredible soundtrack. And that's Michael Giacchino, if I'm correct? That is correct. Who also ended up, fun fact, doing Rogue One soundtrack. So combining Star Wars with that, uh, with that composer, too. Star Wars is everywhere. I believe he's my my wife's favorite composer. That is a good choice. He is he's not, he he's very diverse. He can do a little bit of everything. And apparently he loves the horns as well according to what my producer is telling me. He does. He does. So that that's what brings him out. Um so going um off to a little bit of a, a segue here. Um, there's a lot of weird instruments I know of that people try to change and alter and make a bit different, like making it electric. So if you could make any instrument electric, which one would it be? Uh, I would make, I would, I would try to make an electric oboe. I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> you could do some sweet effects, but something I have seen and unfortunately heard was an electric bassoon. I don't think that would work. How how would how would you go about doing that? So with bassoon, it looks like a big long stick, and there's this little tiny metal, uh, metal tube that comes out of that, and that's what you put your reed on. And so on that tube, somebody cut a hole in it and popped a pickup, like uh, just an acoustic pickup like you'd find in a guitar or something, and attach that to uh, that tube, which is called the vocal, and plug that pickup into an amp and manage to get electric bassoon sounds. And there's something. <laughs> I don't know what that something is, but there's something. So what if we, you and I, made a band of all of the the most awkward combinations of electric instruments? What would you name the band? Would it be Symphony of Toilets? Or Symphony of Electric Boogaloo. Is that is that Symphony Two Electric Boogaloo? That yes, there we go. Nice. I was like, I need the two for Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> All right, so it's settled. Our, our new band is called Symphony Two Electric Boogaloo. Perfect. All electric instruments, all the time, in stuff that should never be electric, like a weird saxophone, or a, a kazoo. Oh, or a uh, a really, really, really awkward instrument, the trombone. Ooh, electric trombone. They do they do make those too, and they are. I was making that up. They actually have an electric trombone. You can you can actually electrify most instruments nowadays. That's how scary it is. That's shocking. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you take a brass instruments use what we call mutes. And uh, you can put a mute in the bell, and that mute has a pickup in it as well, and you play your trombone, and that pickup picks it up, and you can blast that right into a to an amplifier. Nice. Or you could use a regular microphone and clip it on the bell. That's what uh, a lot of your, like, uh, if you trombone shorty, he uses obvious electronics, or, uh, or your favorite ska band, those trombones are definitely definitely going through some electronics too i would like to add pretty much a a microphone on all instruments and see if i can adjust it to make it sound like a guitar because that would be nuts and confusing 
but fun at the same time. Especially like slide guitar. Ooh. Ooh. That would be a challenge. I, I think that would have to be one of our, our lead instruments in Symphony 2. Electric boogaloo. Exactly. <laughs> um so so tell me more about about the instrument world. Um any any cool instruments that you've dealt with lately? What you got going on in your shop right now? Uh, right now, we just had a very, very expensive bass clarinet that came in. So it's like a clarinet, except you make it bigger, and you throw a little mini saxophone bell on the end, and then you got a bass clarinet. And uh, they bought it from a symphony musician and had somebody repair it, quote unquote. And uh, now we get to actually fix it correctly because they definitely did not repair it. Oh. You can do a lot of damage if you don't know what you're doing. So if you do get your instrument fixed, make sure you take it to a repair technician that's been referred or uh, or you know does good work for, for your local professional musicians because if you take it to, to Jim Bob on the corner, you maybe happen to take it somewhere else too. Yikes. Uh, so what's the worst thing that you've ever seen um, according to like instrument repair, what's what's the worst of the worst you've ever seen? Oh, we've seen flutes run over by buses. Those are fun. They play a little bit flat, and uh, <laughs> the classic—that's probably the classic repairman's joke. Something that's been run over, and then you say it's a little bit flat. Nice. Really bad. I bet it feels pumps. a bit sharp too. A little bit. <laughs> That I'll have to start adding that to that joke. That's good. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Being uh, we're working on brass instruments. Oh, one one good thing to keep in mind if you do play an instrument, make sure you get it cleaned regularly, because I've seen some very very gross things that either end up stuck in instruments or you know you're you you are putting your mouth on an instrument and blowing into it. So if you just ate lunch, I'm going to find that lunch in that instrument later in some form. And it's usually green, sticky, and not fit for this world. So as, as a repairman, watch what you eat before uh, before you play your instrument because it makes our, our life a little bit easier if you don't have Taco Tuesday going through your trombone. The more you know. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. And also just instruments. We like to uh, we like to think of instruments as cars, uh, especially with brass. They use oil. Your car uses oil and you get that oil changed, or at least I hope you get your oil changed. Um, so you also need to get your instrument oil changed. So make sure you do you get some regular maintenance and then your instrument will make you happy for a long time to come and uh, and not break on you all the time. And how many miles do you recommend in between changing your instrument's oil? If you play regularly, you're probably good for for a year. Um, if you play a lot or you've done marching bands, um, definitely take your, probably looking more at six months. Or if you're done with marching band season, take your instrument to go get fixed. Then you don't care how long it takes to come back because you're using, hopefully using an instrument just for marching band. And, uh, because fun things happen on the marching field. As uh, I remember us in the Chippewa marching band, maybe using our saxophones for evil a few times. 
such as uh, remember that one time Tim put his fist in the bell and uh, and left an imprint. <laughs> I allegedly remember something like that, but but just in case uh, the Chippewas legal counsel is potentially listening, there was no actual physical evidence that that was a thing. However, if I were have to have seen it, it looked pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, cheers to that, as we did tend to celebrate anything by uh, may or may not have been clinking our bells together. That definitely did not leave any lasting damage at all. <laughs> Never. Uh, also, um, taking your instrument's case and uh, emptying it and, and sitting on it and sliding down a hill with the snow... That never happened either. No, never. Or and and just as a as another PSA, if you do happen to use your case as a possible sled, make sure you take your instrument out first, because your instrument does not want to be a sled. Yeah, I, I have a, a chilly suspicion that things may or may not have gone well for that situation. Yeah, although I, I do believe everybody had a good laugh, including the, the owner of that instrument, because, let's face it, they didn't actually own it. That's the best ones. Why mess up your own stuff when you can mess up somebody else's? And that's exactly. why you have a job. Exactly. Job security is wonderful. So, actually, don't listen to anything I just said and uh, and send me things so I can make money. That sounds pretty good, actually. So is is there like a, a big website or a um, uh, a list of all instrument repair peoples in people's area, or how do you recommend people find people? Uh, you can actually uh, go online to napbirt.org, N-A-P-B-I-R-T, the National Association of Professional Band Instrument Repair Technicians, because that's a great acronym and not a mouthful at all. But uh, we we actually just had a conference of all us fun repair people in uh, in the great town of Normal, Illinois, where it is very normal. And uh, it gets a little less normal when we're all there, because instrument repair people like to have fun. But uh, that's a whole other story. And uh, But you can go on natbert.org, and there's actually a section on the website where you can look up local repair people that are part of that uh, organization. And generally, Natbert members do know what they're doing pretty well. So we have, uh, we have lots of training throughout the year, and we, uh, we do professional development and clinics, and all tend to help each other out. If somebody doesn't know something, chances are they're going to ask somebody else in the organization and either send you to them or that person's going to help them fix your instrument. So it's a, it's a good community that, that helps each other out and uh, helps our customers out. Right on. And do you have any final words of wisdom for, for instrument uh, lovers, connoisseurs, or players before we, we start wrapping this up? Uh, our favorite thing is to tell people that if, treat your instrument like you would treat yourself. If you're uncomfortable, then chances are your instrument's uncomfortable. So don't lock yourself in a hot car or a cold car because your instrument will not be very happy. And if you're going to eat tons of pizza the night before, please make sure that there's a lot of room for fun and excitement. Exactly. Roll right on. Um, so where can the folks at home find you? 
Uh, you can, I do post some instrument things on, uh, on my Instagram. Uh, it's at Obojohn, O-B-O-E-J-O-N. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to, to see any music related things along with other random things about, uh, the great, well, great might not be the best word, but the state, South Carolina and the Charleston area, because we have traffic and traffic makes me angry so you may see some ranting but mostly you'll see uh see a little slice of the south and some instruments right on and um i think that's all we have for this episode here if you'd like to write in if you have any questions comments or concerns you can go to twitter at did you know ryan o, or you can email us at did you know ryan o at gmail.com uh, thank you very much, sir, for joining us on this episode. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Ryan. Always uh, good to hang out with you and uh, enjoy talking about some fun stuff. And next time, maybe we can dive into some crazy pop culture or something. I don't know, maybe something with a Death Star or three. Or three. Or uh, or plans for said Death Stars. And returning them to where they belong. But that's for another podcast in, entirely. <laughs> Indeed. And that's all we've got. Remember, folks, find your awesome, hold on to it, and share it with the world. I've been Ryan O. We'll see you next time.